0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope, Belmont's location, where each week, you'll hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so you can go and live your life driven by faith. In this brand new series, we will be asking this question, who is Jesus? Many of times we think that the answer can be found through documentaries, books, or even films. Yet, is that enough? Join us for the next few weeks as we look at Colossians chapter 1 and find out your answer to who Jesus is. We are going to go ahead and get into God's Word together. And so I'd invite you, if you would, go ahead and grab a Bible. Maybe you use your phone or tablet or whatever you use. You can grab one of the black Bibles that's in the chairs in front of you. And if you do that, we are going to be on page nine hundred and 32 together this morning. We are in the book of Colossians, and we are starting a brand new sermon series together today. We're going to start it today, and it's going to take us through the month of September. And today we're just going to really start to think about this question of who is Jesus. Have you ever mistaken somebody's identity? Have you ever walked up to somebody and thought for sure you knew who they were? And then the second you say their name, they go, oh, no. You walk up to them and you say, oh, hey, Tom. And they're like, oh, Jim. And you're like, oh, man, Jim, how do we know each other? And all of a sudden, everything you thought you knew about that person is changed. Have you ever done that before? You walk up to someone, you think for sure you know their name, you know where they're from, and the second you start talking to them, you realize that they're not who you thought they were at all there is a, a, a local missionary. He works with high school students in Massachusetts and Connecticut and Rhode Island. And his name is Kevin Zurica. And this is, this is Kevin here. This is Kevin Zurica. He's a nice guy. And he works with, with many churches in our area. So quick little lesson here. Mount Hope is part of the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God is all over the world, but we have our own little district here. That's Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. It's 184 churches, about 500 credential holders, and that's our little corner of the Assemblies of God universe. So Kevin works within that corner, and he is in all sorts of different churches. Now, we have in Burlington a Mount Hope church in Burlington. And we have a pastor at Mount Hope Church in Burlington named Pastor Rick Piccarello, who many of you met last week because he was here. Now, do you see Pastor Rick with his family there? Now, look at Kevin Zurica, okay? Now, look at back Pastor Rick, Kevin, Rick, Kevin, Rick, okay? When we go to our district events where there is all hundreds of, of us pastors together, And many times Pastor Rick and I, we we spend a lot of time together because uh, we're friends and we know each other. And so we'll walk through the halls of the convention center, the hotel, or wherever we are. And Rick's entire two or three day conference is spent walking through the hall and having different people come up to him. And the second they start coming up to him, he spends his entire two days saying something like, I'm not Kevin. I'm not, before you start, I'm not Kevin. I pastor Mount Hope in Burlington. I'm not Kevin. Kevin's over there. He's a good guy. In fact, sometimes, and this is true, sometimes Pastor Rick has just taken notes and other things for Kevin and delivered them to him later uh, because people think that he is him. Have you ever done that before? You ever been so sure you knew who you were talking to? You knew who you were talking to, but, but it turned out it wasn't that person at all. You know, I think that's often what we do with Jesus Christ. We think we know who he is. We've heard a lot of things about him. Uh, We think we know what he looks like, we think we know the things that he said, we think we know the things that he did, but often, if we actually take the time to get to know who he really is, our perception, we find it was off a little bit with reality that he's someone different than who we thought he was. And so we are going to spend four weeks looking at the person of Jesus Christ because my guess is there are places in your heart and in my heart where we think that we've got this thing all figured out and we know exactly who he is, but there is something that needs to be tweaked. There's something that's misunderstood. There's something that we haven't encountered before. And so we trust that over these next few weeks, God is going to make his son clear to us. And to guide us through these few weeks, we are going to be looking at just a few verses in the book of Colossians chapter 1. If you've been with us for a while, you'll remember that back in April, we actually spent some time in Colossians chapter 3. And so just I want to give you the broad overview of what's happening here in in this book. There's a man named Paul who, after Jesus left this earth, he began planting churches throughout the known world in their area. And Paul would write letters to different churches to either deal with an issue that was happening in that church or just to update them on certain things. He had different reasons for writing different letters. And the book of Colossians is one of the letters that Paul writes to a church in a city called And so that's not a lot of detail about this whole thing. But if you're wondering, where do these books come from? And what are the the reason it's called Colossians? And who is writing these books? It's a man named Paul who's a church planner and missionary who is going from city to city and keeping in contact with new Christians in all sorts of different places. And so he writes this letter. And one of the things he's very concerned with the people in Colossi understanding is who Jesus Christ really is. Because the ancient world wasn't too different from our world. There were all sorts of strains of thoughts. And even though it was just a few years after Jesus was on the earth, different things were already being taught about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, what it meant to be a Jewish person, and how the two intertwined. And Paul is trying to make it all clear. This is who Jesus really is. And so if you look here in chapter 1, verse 15, I'm just going to read verse 15 through verse 20. And then we'll start talking about this topic together. He, Paul writes, that is Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. making peace by the blood of his cross. You know, this morning we're going to talk about something that's going to seem very simple on its surface. Surface, In fact, to some of us, it might almost seem too simple. But we need to talk about it as we begin this conversation around who Jesus is, because so often, it's one of those things that if you've been sitting in church for a while, you understand in theory but in practice, we often miss it. You know what those things are like. We understand it in theory. We can wrap our mind around an idea. But in our day-to-day life, we miss out on actually what it means and how it should be impacting the way that we live. And so as we get started, I want to encourage you to stick with me here because it's something that's going to see so, seem so simple. But if you are willing to evaluate yourself evaluate yourself, and I'm willing to evaluate myself, even though the concept may seem simple, I think we'll find that we have growing to do. Before we get to the simple, though, let's start with the complex, all right? I'd like for you to grab your sermon card, your connection card, that card I had you grab earlier with the announcements on. Flip it over to the back. All right, we're going to play a little game here together. Pick out your connection card, flip it over to the back, and grab a pen. If you don't have a pen, there's a pen in front of you, okay? So grab the card Grab the card. I can see some of you are like, I don't care what you say, Pastor. I'm not grabbing my card or a pen. But maybe some of you are willing to participate. Grab a card. Grab the pen. If you don't have a card, you could open up. I, fine, open up your phone. You can type it in, okay? This is what I'd like for you to do. I would like for you to write down this word on the card. or Type it into your blank screen there. This is what the word is. Ready? Ultra-crepidarian. Ultra-crepidarian. Here's the word. You spell it out. Here's the word, ultra crepidarian. You write that word down, write it down, take a minute. Many of you can do it from memory. Some of you are going to have to look at the screen. Ultra crepidarian. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do now that you got the word. I would like for you to write a definition of the word. Take a moment, write a definition. How would you define the word ultra crepidarian? Please, no cheating, no wagering either. I don't know what's going on in the back there. Ultra-crepidarian. Everyone got their definition? Who thinks they're 100% correct? Anyone think they're 100% correct here? No? We're we're unsure, right? We're not sure exactly what it is. Let me ask you this. Let's say we have 70 people in the room right now. How many different definitions do you think we have right now without reading them all? 70? 70? right? We probably have a good 70 different definitions without reading them all. And it's amazing, even though we've now come up with 70 different definitions of this world word, we're all still fairly unsure as to what the word actually means, right? So we've come up with definitions, uh, but we're not 100% sure that our definition is the correct one. Is anyone, how about this, is anyone actually willing to, to, to wager a guess? Are you willing to put yourself on the line like that and wager a guess as to what the definition might be, Garris? Okay, very good at daring the creepiness out of people. I like that. It's a very literal, very, they're the ultra-crepidarium. They can dare the creepiness out of people better than anyone else. Excellent. One more guess. Anyone else? Who's willing to? Wait, yeah, Don. A medieval Greek dragon slayer. A medieval Greek dragon slayer. Could be. It could be. It concerns me that Don was in the first service and still doesn't know the definition. <laughs> a medieval Greek dragon slayer. Maybe maybe. This is the definition of ultra-crepidarian. One who gives opinions outside of his or her knowledge is an ultra-crepidarian. One who gives opinions outside of his or her knowledge. You know, when I asked you to take that word and write a definition, we were kind of, I made you all ultra-crepidarians. I asked you to give your thoughts and opinions that were outside of your knowledge But it strikes me that for all of us, when we start with our limited knowledge and limited experience, and from that place, from our own experience, from our own knowledge, we then work out a definition of God. This is exactly what we're doing. We become ultra-crepidarians, and this is... By and large, how almost everybody in our world, including many people in the church, figure out who God is and what he looks like is we start with our own limited knowledge and understanding. And even though if God exists, God is is beyond our understanding by definition, bigger than anything that we could imagine, existing outside of our experience and our time and space, we still start with our limited knowledge and understanding and then give our opinions and give our thoughts and we listen to other people's thoughts and opinions. And just like when I asked you to define that word, what happens is this. If we have 70 people in the room and we say come up with a definition of God, in our world by and large right now, we end up with 70 different definitions, but no one is 100% sure that their definition is absolutely right. And this leads to a few things in our world, doesn't it? It means that we live now in a culture where no matter what you say about God or no matter what you decide about who God is and what he looks like, your definition is valid. And it would be rude and arrogant for anybody else to tell you that their definition is better than yours. Because what we're doing is we're not not talking about something that we can fully wrap our minds around or see. We're talking about something that is invisible. We're talking about something that is unseen. We're talking about something that is beyond our capacity to understand. And so we're left with this, with this challenge where we live in a world where for, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, who think we have this thing correct, that we have a clear picture of God to go out into our culture and say, my understanding, my definition of God is correct and yours is not, is a very arrogant thing to do in our world. Because we're all doing this out of this same model, this ultra-crepidarian model where we come up with our own thoughts and our own opinions even though God is outside of our limited understanding and experience. And so it strikes me that the only way we could really know what God looks like definitively, who He is and what He looks like, if God were to show us Himself, we can start where we are with our limited knowledge and our limited experience, and we can try to come with, up with all sorts of theories about who God is. And if you want to, there is an unlimited amount of people who are willing to share their thoughts with you. And this is how many of us, even in the church, form our understanding of God. We listen to all sorts of people who think they know what God is. And we watch them on the daytime talk shows and then we listen to them preach in churches and then, we, and then we listen to our friends in the classroom and we listen to our professors and we listen to smart people who are giving things like TED Talks and all of those sorts of people. We listen to what they're saying about who God is. And then we take all of that limited knowledge and experience and try to come up with our own definition of who we think God is. And what we end up with is millions of different definitions and all of them unsure, In fact, the only way we could come up with a definitive definition of who God is and what He looks like is if God Himself provided it. We know what this feels like, don't we? We we, we know what it feels like for people to to make decisions and uh, form opinions of us without coming to us. How frustrating is it when you hear from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone that so-and-so thinks that you are X, or so-and-so thinks that you believe Y, and you know when you hear it that it's fundamentally untrue. You know it's untrue, and you think to yourself, if that person would just come to me directly, rather than talking for to coworker, 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 coworker to me, or classmate, 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 classmate to me, if that person would just come to me and have a conversation with me, I would tell them, who I am, and what I actually believe. So we understand the challenge that we have, right? If we are going to know somebody, if we're going to know somebody definitively, then we have to be able to interact with them. And if we don't interact with them, our definition of who they are and what they look like will always be incomplete. It reminds me of a few years ago It reminds me a few years ago when my wife, Lori, and I, we took our 10th anniversary trip. We went to Italy, which was wonderful. And as a part of that trip, we did the the tour through Vatican City. And one of the places that I had heard about for years is the Sistine Chapel. Maybe you've heard about it too. So one of the Ninja Turtles laid on their back and they painted the whole thing, right? (laughs) If you get that, we'd probably be good friends. But Michelangelo painted that whole thing. And, and so uh, I've heard about it, I've seen pictures of it, I've seen video of it, and I remember walking through the tour, and if you've ever been to the Vatican tour, they make you do everything else before the Sistine Chapel, because they know that's why you're there. And so they make you do all the other rooms before you, the Sistine Chapel is last on the tour. So we're going through all the other rooms and I can see the signs, of Sistine Chapels is coming, coming. In the back of my head, I think to myself, I wonder if it's going to be all it's cracked up to be. Because I've seen the pictures and I've seen the images and I've seen the video of this place and I've studied it in elementary school and high school and, and, and all these classes. I wonder if it's actually going to be as impressive as everyone says it is. And I remember walking into the room, and you've had this experience too, you've done this before. You've stepped into somewhere that you had only heard about and never seen before. And you step into the room, and all of a sudden, it becomes immediately clear what the big deal is. The entire room is a masterpiece from from the walls to the ceiling. And I suddenly realized that all I had ever seen of the room was just a brief little snapshot that Adam reaching his finger to touch God's finger is just this tiny portion of this much larger masterpiece. And I remember standing with my, with my phone and watching other people. There's no way to capture it. It's impossible to capture in one image or even in a video what the room looks like when you're standing in it. And so now I have a totally different understanding. Of what the Sistine Chapel is. And there's places you've been that I have never been, that I've only heard about, but you've actually seen and experienced. And you have a far deeper and greater understanding of those places than I will ever have unless I get to go myself. And so there's this thing when it comes to God that we can have all sorts of thoughts and opinions about Him, we can come up with all sorts of definitions. We can we can all decrepidarian ourselves to death trying to come up with thoughts and definitions of who God really is. But unless we get some sort of definitive definition, unless we can actually spend time with Him, our understanding will always fall miserably short. And right at the beginning of this group of verses, just the first phrase. I told you it's going to be, it's going to sound simple, but it is so key. And just this first phrase, Paul gives you and me an understanding of who Jesus is, that if we're going to understand anything else about him, we have to understand this first. And some of us have been in church a long time, and we still haven't wrapped our minds around this reality. Paul writes at the very beginning of Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, That Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It's the big problem with God. We can't see him, he is unknown to us unless he makes himself known. Now we can look around. And we can, we can piece together some things and we can look at the sun and the moon and the stars and, and all these things. We can try to bring together some sort of understanding about God. But all that's going to lead to is a million different definitions that are all incomplete. And Paul is saying to you and to me, listen, if you want to know what God really looks like, if you want to know what God looks like definitively, not what other people think about him, not what the Discovery Channel thinks about him, not what a Harvard professor thinks about him. You definitively want to know exactly what God looks like. He has shown you exactly what he looks like, and he's done it through Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what God looks like, Paul is saying to you and to me, look at Jesus. If you want to know definitively what he looks like, look at Jesus. And you might say to me, oh, pastor, yeah, I get it. Look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. How much of you this week? How much of this week? I bet you thought about God this week, but you wondered what he was up to, if he was going to answer your prayers. I bet you thought about God this week. How much of this week did you spend looking at the life of Jesus Christ? If we're not careful, even in the church, we can talk about the manger at Christmas and talk about the grave at Easter and completely miss the three years that Jesus spent on this earth. All those things that are recorded in the red letters in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, When is the last time that you actually went back and you read those things for yourself? I don't mean you heard a sermon preached about them. I don't mean that you read a devotional that included one of those things and then someone else's thoughts. When is the last time that you took time to go back and to really look at the life of Jesus Christ? Because if we are ever going to understand definitively who God is, and what he looks like, then we have to look at Jesus Christ. That is who God has given us. And Jesus himself is God. Paul wants us to know that right off the beginning. He wanted to know the church of Colossae to know it. He wants you to know it too. That Jesus is God. He's not God Junior. He's not God Light. He's not God who has yet to receive the update. He is fully God. Everything that Jesus says, everything that Jesus does reflects who God is, who his Father is. And you say to me, well, I would never miss that. But his closest followers did. Jesus' closest followers didn't realize this. And if the people who spent three years with him didn't realize it, how much more susceptible are we to realize this? In fact, in John chapter 14... In John chapter 14, there's this uh, exchange with uh, Thomas and Philip, some of the disciples, and Jesus. And Philip comes to Jesus, and he, and he says this to him. He says this in John chapter 14. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Philip spent these years with Jesus, and now he's coming to Jesus. He says, Jesus, show us God. Show us the Father. We believe you're from God, but show him to us. And Jesus says to Philip this. Have I been with you for so long? And you still do not know me, Philip? Have you, think about, have you been with me for all these years? You've seen all the things I've said and all the things I've done. And listen, some of us sitting in church, we still haven't grasped this because we're like Philip. We've spent a lot of time around Jesus, but we still haven't grasped who he truly is. Have I been with you so long, Philip? Have you sat in church for so long, and yet you still don't know who I am? Whoever has seen me, Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And Jesus is saying very definitively to Philip and to Thomas and the other disciples that are around, He said, I am God. I am Him. You want to know what He looks like? Look at me. If you've seen me, you have seen God, and all of us, we we spend a lot of energy and a lot of time trying to figure out who God is and what He's like and if He exists, but God has defined Himself for us through Jesus Christ. And the question is, in all our thinking and opining on who God is, how much time are we actually spending looking at the person that God has put on this earth who is fully God and fully man and shows us exactly what God is like? I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Moth Radio Hour. It's one of the uh, nerdy things I like to listen to. But the Moth program, Aaron, Aaron's on board with the Moth Radio Hour. The Moth program is it provides space for people to share their own stories, if you've ever listened to it. And one of the stories that I heard recently was by a woman named LaKellie Laserlay. And she tells the story in just about five minutes of, growing up in london england with a mom who was english and a dad who was from trinidad and what happened is is that her parents when she was very young they split and divorced and her father moved back to trinidad and he it was a it was not a a good separation it was not a healthy separation in fact Her mom said to her, dad, we want nothing to do with you. And so the dad said, fine, I will go back to Trinidad. I'll have nothing to do with you, but you have to promise me this. When my children are 18, if they want to find me, you need to let them know where I'm at. So they made this agreement when uh, Luckily was two years old. So she grows up not knowing her father and feeling like a piece of her was missing, And when she turns 18, she's living in California, and she contacts her mom and says, I want to go and find my father. And so all she has of her father is a grainy picture of when she was an infant and his business card in Trinidad. So she flies to Trinidad and gets off the plane and the airport there is a is a buzz with activity and there's a lot of people going back and forth and she's out of her element, she's in another culture. She just has this business card and she said she's looking through the crowd as you would looking for a sign with her name on it or someone that that recognizes her and she pulls out the business card to take a look at it and someone bumps her hand and the business card gets knocked into the crowd and someone kicks it in the dust and people are walking around and she said she dropped down on her hands and knees frantically trying to search for this card because it was the only thing she had that connected her to her father. And as she's looking through the sea of feet, she finally sees it a few feet away. And she starts to work her way through the people. And she goes down to pick it up and a figure steps in front of the card. She said she saw the feet and moved up and linen pants and shirt and looked into this person's eyes. And she said in her story, no one had to tell her. No one had to tell her who this person was. She didn't need a business card. She didn't need a grainy photograph. When she looked into the eyes of this person, she knew who it was. And her father's friend standing next to him said, Whoa, she looks just like you. When we stare into the face of Jesus Christ... We stare into the face of our Father. It's the same person. And it's amazing to me how often, how how much time we spend, even those of us who grow up in the church, wondering who God is and what He's like and what He's up to, when God has definitively given us the exact answer of what He looks like and what He's up to. And we miss what this means about our relationship with God. Serving a God who has made Himself known rather than causing us to guess and wonder, tells us a few things about him, that our God is loving. Some of you who have spent very little time in church, you might know the verse John 3.16, and those of you who have spent time in church, you've almost certainly heard it before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved us that he wanted to make himself known to us. This is who I am. Don't, ha- don't guess. Don't wonder. This is me. God loves us. He wants to be known, and he desires relationship with you and me. That is a wonderful truth about God. And if you have spent your life wondering who God is and what he's up to and if he exists, I want you to know you don't have to just look into your own mind and your limited experience. You don't have to just trust your own limited knowledge and understanding and experience. And you don't need to trust the limited knowledge and understanding and experience of anyone else because everyone that comes to you and tells you their idea of who God is has as little understanding of God as any one of us. You can go right to the source. Why do we waste our time on so many secondary and tertiary sources when God has given us a primary source in his son to understand who he is? If you want to know what God looks like this morning, you've been searching for it, you've been wondering who he is, begin to look at the person of Jesus Christ. There are four books in the Bible that tell us the story of Jesus. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're right at the start of what's called the New Testament. If you flip open a Bible and look at the table of contents, New Testament, it's those first four books. It tells us about the life of Jesus, what he said, what he did. And if you'll start to read, and some of us that have been in church a long time, it's been a while since we've done this on our own. We keep trusting other people to tell us what God is like. Go find out for yourself. Let him do the work in you. And if you'll start reading and start looking, I believe that your understanding and picture of the God who loves you and desires relationship with you will continue to grow and expand and it would be the best thing you could do for your understanding of who God is. I'm gonna invite our worship team forward as we prepare to close this morning. And as they come, I want you to think about something with me. A little over 2,000 years ago, in a rural area of Galilee, at the height of the power of the Roman Empire, a 30-year-old man emerged. He had no political backing. He had no fundraisers. He had no religious backing or authority. He wore the clothing of a peasant and had the hands of a laborer. All his education was in the local synagogue. And yet he began to say and do things that started a movement. And then three years after he started, the authorities put him to death to try and kill the movement. But what should have killed the movement actually ignited the movement so that billions of people would call themselves followers of this man, and that our entire calendar would be orchestrated around his coming to this earth. Whether you call it B.C. or A.D. or C.E. or B.C.E., you can't get around the reality of what divides those years. He's worth looking at. So we're going to spend some weeks looking at the person of Jesus and who he is. As we do, we are going to discover who God is and what he looks like. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? When's the last time, think about it with me, when's the last time that you spent time gazing into the eyes of Jesus Christ, seeing what he looks like so that you can understand what God looks like? For some of you, the answer is never. If there's a longing in your heart to know who God is, to understand your existence on this earth and why he put it all here in the first place, there is no better place you can go. You can listen to all the TV shows. You can listen to other people's ideas, but why not go right to the source himself? Why not begin to read and to look at what Jesus said and what Jesus did because Jesus is God. And every time you look at what he said and every time you look at what he did, you will understand more who God is and what he looks like. There's no more important decision you could make this morning than to begin that journey today. And for many of us who have sat in church for a long time, we need to go back. We need to go back because our understanding of God will always be limited. And rather than wonder what he's up to and wonder what he's doing and wondering who he is, why not go back ourselves and read the text? See what Jesus said and what he did. And as we do, I believe God's spirit will mold us and shape us and transform us so that we understand more his image and we will be made more like it. God, I thank you that you loved us enough to make yourself known that you're not some mystery standing far off, but you are a personal, loving God. God, I thank you that as we read your word and as we focus on the life of Jesus Christ, that you speak to us by your Spirit. God, we want to know you more, understand who you are and what you have for us to do. So reveal yourself to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again. For listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. And in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, mounthop dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.